to the online broadcast network. After Buzz TV, over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries, and your number one source for after show entertainment. <laughs> TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Mad Men fans, welcome back to the Mad Men After Show here on AfterBuzz TV, talking about Season 7, Episode 11, Time and Life. I'm Matt Lieberman. Joining me as always, fantastic panel is here. Sterling Cates is here. Hey, hey. As is Mr. Joseph K. Braswell. I'm Joe K. Braswell. Joe K. Braswell. Uh, Joe Sanfilippo not joining us this week, but we do have a very special guest, Mr. Uh, Mr. Paul. Do your best. Mr. Sorry. Try and do your best. Paul Johansson. He got it. Paul Johansson. <laughs> Somebody whispered in his ear. No, I keep I keep thinking Ferguson Donnelly, so I keep uh, mixing Ferguson Johansson and Paul Donnelly yeah. to the point that when I was sending out the tweet about this show, I was looking for Paul Donnelly and I couldn't find him. I, uh, did, I did do a hashtag Ferguson Donnelly or at Ferguson Donnelly on Twitter. It's not me. Okay. There's a real There's Ferguson a real Donnelly. Donnelly. <laughs> and I listen to Scotland. We're going to be talking about Scottish clans and their feuds later in this episode. Really? Have you um, got you a kilt? Yes. Yeah. We have kilts right under the table. <laughs> <laughs> Joe K. Braswell has so, one on. <laughs> this episode, incredibly momentous, important in the grand scheme of things. But aren't they kind of all at this point? There's seven in the back seven that they're doing now. Well, they're all very precious, and I think they're all important on an emotional level and maybe a spiritual level for some of these characters, but this is a major plot movement that's going to jettison them all in different directions. Mm-hmm. And we also kind of are given some some level of like, we have some understanding of where they might go. And maybe it's just hopes and dreams. We'll get into it. What did you guys think of this episode? For the first time, this felt like the end. Mm-hmm. The past few episodes have been like, where are they going with this? They're bringing in new characters. But this one felt like they're kind of starting to wrap it up a little bit. We can start to see where it's headed. Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it a lot. Like you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for the workplace place drama stuff. So when it's like, let's get the band together and let's figure out a way to save the you know save mm-hmm. the company, and I love all and that, which we've seen about two or three times with the run of the series. But I loved it all. And then that sort of. Uh, it didn't quite work this time like it always works, but you know, I I, I loved it. I loved I love seeing that side, the workplace side. I literally put up on the board. I put let's put on a show. Yeah, yeah. Because it's basically <laughs> it's it's that whole dynamic. It's the uh, shut the door and have a seat. And when they sure. made the merger uh, in season six, all over again. But it doesn't quite work out for them. I. Personally, I absolutely love this episode. I think it uh, it says a lot about all the characters. We got some really great plot development, and character development. Uh, let's jump right in, though. The big news this week, obviously, uh, that McCann Erickson is trying to absorb uh, Sterling Cooper and partners. Not even trying; they're doing it. It's happening, and they find out in the absolute worst way uh, that their lease has not been renewed. Um, poor Dawn. We haven't seen all season. She comes in to get chewed out. Yeah, and that's basically like all she gets this week. Exactly. So Roger gets on the gets on the horn with uh, with Fergus and Donnelly, and uh, Ferg lets him know that this is uh, part of a much larger plan. Now, uh, tell us a little bit about about Ferg because he's you introduced this kind of. You a, do know one of my the big caveat in this conversation is that I'm going to be a huge spectator and really listen. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Obviously, I wanted. I have to say, you know, I'm I'm signed to an NDA. Right. So there's a lot of stuff that I can't talk about, but I can certainly talk about what we've seen. Talk about you know? what we've seen. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> yeah. I I just, well, but it has to be said. It I has to be well, said. I do too, but you know. there's, a, there's, a, there's something that you know we all have to remember when when we when we watch and we talk about these shows, and that is we're we're giving spoilers to people that are going to watch these later, so they they can't watch this and what have you. But you know these shows they work so hard, mm-hmm. so hard at preserving the integrity. For me as an as a as a viewer, I'm a huge fan of this show. Is I literally didn't want to read the scripts because I wanted to watch it. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. I wanted to go. Oh, what's going to happen now? But because I was a part of that, I had to, you know, I had to, you know, make sure that you know that it was my job, and I wanted to service the, you know, the role uh, as well as I could. Um, 
you know, this is a this is a very intricately nuanced show, which mm-hmm. we don't see a lot of in television. Which means, in my the way that my my vocabulary would understand that is is that, uh, as you said earlier, and it was a very acute point, is that the the minutia and the behavior and the smallest little detail they're not random. Mm-hmm. Everything is a clue. Yeah. Everything. So uh, we get those in notes and performance. We get those in the script when we read them. And, and Matt Weiner, who is a incredibly hands-on type of a um, uh, you know uh, uh, you know showrunner, he uh, he made sure that we were uh, we were aware of them. So um, you can see in a lot of these scenes, and you talked about that that phone call. Uh, there's a lot in that mm-hmm. that you um, you have to pay attention to. Okay. So I- how was that? That's I skated. Great. It's very I skated. It's very cagey. <laughs> if you were aiming for cagey, you're well, dead on. Well, I can only hear every other thing you're saying. Yeah. Is that, is that better? I don't hear anything. Oh, okay. No. Well, I have to watch his lips. What I that's, can I watch your lips me. instead? Would that be okay? <laughs> Here. So, Where's Cat Bayless? Why are the Where's wheels falling off this podcast right now? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I love this scene not just because we have uh, the combination of uh, of Roger and Joan and right. Joan trying to listen in on this call. Um, um, but he's trying. You're trying to say it without saying it. You're like, you have to wait. You have to listen to right. Jim. You have to wait. Jim's going to talk to you. We're going to have a meeting. Right. We're going to do this tomorrow. Uh, and uh, you let out just enough that he knows it's happening. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit. You, you shot some scenes with Sterling. You shot some scenes with Sterling uh, a few weeks ago. I did. Yeah. Uh, and how was that working with John Slattery? Well, you know, he's a uh, he is. Uh, uh, he's very smart, mm-hmm. you know, and and I'm always attracted to bright people, um, which is why I'm going to take you for coffee later, if that's okay. That's great. He's, I love um, coffee. Yeah, coffee's good. <laughs> um, he, you know, listen, he is, his approach to the work is a little shoot from the hip, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun, and it keeps you on your toes. Um, you know, some of the other performers, uh, actors on the show have a much more um, a different style. You know, uh, I like his style. I'm kind of used to it. I, I enjoy it a lot. Um, he is one of those people that I think that he's such a talented actor uh, that um, I catch myself in scenes, you know, watching him. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Have you ever had that experience? Yes. Yeah. I have that every day when I work with Matt Lieberman. Same. Oh, stop it. Likewise. Okay. <laughs> I find myself watching. <laughs> this is a Mad Men recap show. It's not right. a compliment. Show. Right, yeah. right. Right. Well, what what um what what are your what is your sense of it? You feel that it's a it's it feels like it's kind of like a uh you know winter's coming feeling to it. Is that what you're saying about that? I would say it's not overly nefarious. Right. I, what I took from it was uh this was kind of coming as a surprise. It was not intended to come out in this way. Um, mm. The way Jim Hobart puts it, he says you're about to get the five most coveted jobs in advertising. Sure. Now that's a little bit of a smokescreen, but also true. If what you're looking for is the the opportunity to work with big companies, the opportunity to make big money and to be part of a big name, then absolutely it's a great job. But for these people who have carved out a place for themselves in this industry over the course of ten years, it's absolutely not what they want. Mm. And I think the big issue for Ferg here in this in this scene is that this entire move has gone completely off message and it's entirely out of his control. Hmm. So he's playing damage control here. Um, I, I feel like he genuinely he's, he's selling to sellers in a minute. For exactly. a minute there, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is kind of uh, a wonderful fruitless, writing. <laughs> yeah, it is wonderful writing, but it's a fruitless enterprise right. because a, a, a bullshitter will always know bullshit. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Um, well, it's not only that he's selling the sellers, but like I think you said, I think the, the, the end goal for a lot of these people, specifically Don Draper, has changed. I mean, we mm-hmm. saw two episodes ago about sort of what is the end game, like the, the, the constant quest of like, what are we, what, what, what's the end game here? What are we fighting for? Like, mm-hmm. it's a question he's asking, excuse <clears throat> me, he's asking Ted, like, it's like, Ted's like, I don't know, pharmaceuticals? I don't know. You know, Peggy. And so here, presumably, when they get everything they want, like all the big, you know, it, this is what you need, and they're all kind of like, I don't know. This this isn't it. So I think that like for Ferg, like, this is maybe this is supposed to be good news, mm-hmm. but it's kind of flipped on him when they're looking at him like this is not good news to us. Well, here's the thing, right? Ken is a, is a huge part of this episode, and this episode and what they're trying to do to these partners of Sterling Cooper echoes so very greatly his chasing of the corporate ladder yep. just a few episodes ago in right. the season premiere, in the mid season premiere, when he's talking about I just want to see if I'm going to get this raise. He's still at the place. Where the work and moving upward in the work matters. They all are. Well, I would disagree. Mm-hmm. I would disagree because if you look at 
all of their behavior. I mean, first of all, Ted, he's willing to go anywhere because he's in love, he's happy, he's successful, he wants someone else to drive finally. He doesn't have to work anymore. He has to go to work, but he doesn't have to push that cart anymore, and he's relaxed. He's content. You know, uh, Roger, he's trying to hold on to some kind of legacy, which is Roger wants the name on it. 100%. It's the last thing that his family has. He's not going to have any kids, uh, or at least kids with his name. He screwed up. All he had was the business, and now the business is gone. So what does he have? He has this flourishing relationship with Marie, um, and we'll get more into that in a bit. Don, he doesn't have anything no. to fight for. And even when he does the whole, like, let's get the band together, let's put on a show element of we've done it before, let's do it again, it's kind of sliding back into an easy role, like putting on some, you know, some like old jeans you haven't put on in a long time. But the desperation isn't there. The fire isn't there. We're right. doing it so that we can stay comfortable and because we never wanted to work for McCann. But ultimately... When he's informed, when Roger tells him that uh, we're being absorbed by McCann Erickson, he doesn't have the fire. He doesn't have the outrage. He says he resigns himself to having a drink. That's it. It's it, the fight is out of him. I do read. I do read it slightly differently in terms of the way mm-hmm. he was going about trying to get the band back together, if you will. I think that it was more. It, I read it as slightly slight hubris slash arrogance in that, like, oh, we know how to do this. Mm-hmm. Like we're fine. And it, even even when Dow Dow Chemical went down, he's like, oh, no big deal. We'll just find some other accounts. He's never worried because he knows, like, we know how to do this. I know this. I'm Don freaking Draper. And it wasn't until he got in the meeting and he, and, and they're like, there's no need for this, Don. Yeah. It's like, what do you mean? There's no need for this. Well, like that was a, that was a real door slamming in his face. There, this is the one arena in his life that he's never really lost before. He got kicked out of the company, but he was able to reverse it in fairly short time. Mm-hmm. Other than that, he's never had a serious loss in this arena, and he's had losses in every other arena imaginable. Sure. It's the one last source of self-worth that is constant, that is warm, and uh, he's going to try to fight to preserve it when he realizes that it's futile. Like, that's the thing. We've been trained as an audience to accept that when Don Draper opens his mouth in a pitch meeting that uh, everyone in that room will fall sway, just as we will. And Jim Hobart won't even let him get ten words out of his mouth. And even those ten words aren't as inspired as anything he's ever said before. It's pretty rote. Yeah. It's like somebody with a PowerPoint. Yeah, not not to mention he, to, on that to that same point, his <laughs> glorious speech to the troops mm-hmm. after Roger sort of gives the announcement that we're being we're, we're being we're being we're merging and this is good news. Everyone's like, Err. and then Don's like, "Hey, wait a minute! Like this isn't this isn't the end. This is the beginning. No and one then, can hear him, and no one cares. It's the first time Don Draper speaks." And everyone is still like, you know, no one, no one's listening. Well, now they're not the ones that are signing the checks. They don't have any power for any of those people right. at, mm-hmm. at SCMP. Right. They have to go, but essentially they've made their money. It doesn't matter. It almost doesn't even matter what they do once they're at McCann. Right. They've still made their money. Everyone else is struggling. You know, take take Peggy, take Stan. These are still people with long careers ahead of them who aren't in a cushy place to post up and just kind of count the days until retirement. Right. I mean, this is the, what this speaks to our larger overall point, which I think is the, the the theme of this last season is, what else is there? I mean, they've already won the game. It's, I think nail on the head, but Joe. They, they've won it. They've won the game. They're all rich. Everything's there. Everyone's doing it. And then now, guess what? You're, you're going to get richer or you're getting better. We're giving you Coca-Cola, Big Pharma. You're getting all you're getting everything you want. What's next? How great was, uh, was his performance? Uh, the guy who plays Jim Hobart. Uh, he, when he's when he whispers Coca Cola, like like just like <laughs> just the great. seductive whisper of the devil. Not I was that excited. he is, but just sort of like, come on, you know you want. It's the holy grail. <laughs> yeah, it's the yeah. holy grail of advertising. It's yes. the single greatest, most recognizable global brand still ever. Is. Yeah. Still is. Yeah. Someone on this panel did a commercial for them mm-hmm. years ago. It's true, <laughs> <laughs> but I would never do it again. <laughs> It's a wonderful commercial. Oh, sorry, I, I it's all right. Um, <laughs> it's a classic can, commercial. Can you tell us about shooting that scene? Was that was that it a was full a day? very big day? It was a you know it's a, it's a it's a it's a pivotal scene. Uh, not just I think for um, for what the information is disseminated in the scene by Jim, but the reactions. Mm-hmm. If you watch the reactions, you know the performances I think are sublime, and I think that the way that it was handled was beautiful. Um, that particular line you're talking about with the Coca Cola line was. Um, <clears throat> You know, um, 
I don't think it hurts anything by saying this, but it was uh, it was a very much a Matt Weiner moment. Mm. You know, he was very much uh, on the set and uh, much involved in it, and I think it was a terrific piece of television. You know, mm. we will remember that. We'll remember that when we think of this show many years away, and we and we compare it to other shows. You know, like the mashes and the big shows that we've liked. Um, that's a moment, man. You know, and and I was and I was fortunate enough to be in there. Um, I think it is, I think it is an energy thing. And I think what we're talking about, the money, you know, well, they're rich and they're richer and then they're the richest. Um, you know, at that point, these are people who are hitting home runs, hitting home runs, hitting home runs, you know, and at one point, you know, I mean, what's, how far can you, can you hit and how many, you know, how many games can you play and how long can you keep it up? And it's all about the new people coming in. It's freshness. It's, I think it's a very interesting study in, in, in these, because these are people. These aren't, these are people for us, you know. Mm-hmm. And we can only add so much as we can in, in the 48 minutes or whatever it is, 52 minutes you get to watch every episode. Yeah. They're cramming it in. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you, I want to ask you a question about sort of, uh, relates to that scene and largely working on that set in general. I mean, you have these wonderful directors each week. Yeah. Jared yeah. Harris directed Jared, this mean, episode. Yeah, yeah directed me right. in an episode, yeah. 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 It was lovely. It, 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 obviously, wonderful writing staff, wonderful writers and wonderful staff. But then you have the, the sort of single-minded auteur uh, of, of Matt Weiner. So when he's over everything, when he's on yeah. the set, talk to me a little bit about that workflow in terms of like all these great people working together, but then Matt sort of there with his hands on it. How, how There's that nobody that knows this creature better than than him, you know, and when he is on the set, it is a very much, um, it's his, you know, and, and it's comfortable that it's his mm-hmm. because you, you know, when it's working, right. you know, and, and, and this was a very, this is, this is his baby and this is, this is how he wanted to put the baby to bed. So you just want to service that as best you can for him being truthful to your own work. Right. And I think that Matt gave a terrific, uh, you know, tr- gave me terrific notes. I mean, terrific mm-hmm. notes that help help me, uh, you know, with the quiet strength and the things that this guy has to have, the confidence, all the things that you need in this role, um, you know. And I was very, um, very fortunate to get the part. Um, interestingly enough, in the audition, you know, uh, I did have to perform several scenes uh, numerous times in different with different notes that he would give me to make adjustments. They were he, he was there for the audition, just him. Okay, wow. Oh That's, wow. It was well, the casting director That's and not him, yeah. not intimidating at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you know, it's funny because if you if you if you reach a certain you know you know twenty seven years now in the business, and, and I've been very fortunate to to work very hard and worked really hard at becoming proficient. You know, it's an honor to audition. I don't see fear in auditions. I go, oh, I can't wait to show him my interpretation of what he wrote. I get jacked about it. I don't go in going, oh, God, I hope I don't blow, you know, blow yeah. it or do this or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I come in thinking, I can't wait for them to see the way that I see this. And then get a little bit of a nuanced uh, you know, piece of note. Say, well, you know what? You're coming in too hard or you missed this or, or try this. You know, I'm thinking more you should end up here. Great. Let me try that. I'm supposed to be malleable my ego is supposed to be you know submissive in this situation because i still reap a great benefit i get to be a part of it you know so i don't need to fingerprint everything with paul johansson that's not even that interesting to me i've been him my whole life (laughs) yeah (laughs) well really quickly before we move on i just need oh i'm still talking about me so anyway (laughs) (laughs) i need to give a quick shout out to itunes Because, folks, I say it every weekend only because it's the truth. The best way to support AfterBuzz TV is to go to iTunes, rate and review the shows that you listen to or that you watch on YouTube. It's quick. It's easy. It doesn't cost you a single cent. How do you do it exactly? How do you do it? You you open the app. You open iTunes on your computer or your mobile device. Okay. Okay. uh, And you go to the Mad Men AfterBuzz TV podcast page. Okay. You give a five star rating if that's what how you feel. We we love five star ratings, okay. and you write a little review. It doesn't take even a second, and it's how our sponsors find our network. It's how they know that we have trusted, well developed content that our audience really likes what we do. It's how we keep that's our doors great. open and our lights on. Paul, mm-hmm. and the, thanks and, for and the amount of, and the amount of time <laughs> that it took you to say that they could have done it. They could have done it three times. Three times. Three <laughs> times. And you get a great shout out here on the show. And of course, there are only three episodes left of this Mad Men podcast, so if you only have a short window to get your comments read here on the show. Three including this one. No. No. Three, three, three more. more. Three sorry. more. Do you feel right. the, 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 the back seven that you're watching right now 
are just kicked up a notch. Oh, they're kick-ass. Yeah, right? I love them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, I just need to give a quick shout-out. Uh, Mad Inside from JB1354652 Five star review. That took a little longer than type. <laughs> thanks for the Insightful Podcast. Finally, a recap show worth listening to. Thank Woo. you so much for your support. And hey, if you're on YouTube, click that subscribe button so you can see all of our wonderful content. We put out over a hundred after shows a week. Cat Bayless is on one. Cat Bayless is on one. Mm-hmm. And sort of keep throwing that out there. It's the widest array of after show content anywhere on the web, Paul. Were you how, how, how wide is it? Very wide. Okay. Over a hundred hours a week. Any comedy did they review? Oh yes. Anything funny? Oh, thoroughly. What's the funniest show that After Buzz reviews? The funniest show that After Buzz... Re- I mean, I would say Louie, because it's a great right. show. Walking Dead? Funny. I don't think Walking Dead is super not, funny. Not too funny? But there's a lot of great content. <laughs> okay. we got to get back to okay, this. Sorry, <laughs> Just let um, So I want to kind of... Let's let's move We work well together, right? Like character by character. We have Dean a short amount of time. You two, we have a half an hour oh, to yeah, cover okay, one okay. of the biggest episodes okay. of this show. Okay. Can we please? Joseph yes. Flippo's fired. All right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so Pete, great episode for Pete. Sure, um, and I, I absolutely strong love actor. Him. Yeah, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I absolutely Vincent. love him in the role. And uh, Vincent Cartizer. Did you immediately so like him, or did you learn to like? I him? I learned to like him, and that's I the, learned to like him. Well, I like him this season. I never liked him before. But did you not like him because you, you thought that he wasn't a, a, a character that you that you felt had any integrity, or was it because you felt that you just didn't like the. The actor, or what was it? No, it was no, had nothing to do with him as an actor, right. just the character. And I just thought, yeah, the character, was, he had, in the yeah. old season one, he had this very sort of like, I don't know, almost Asperger y, like, sort of like single mindedness about him, you know, and then well, it, and it an kinda, arrogance, and yeah. an arrogance that, like, you know, he just didn't really get Is that emotion. gone now, you think? <laughs> no, I like him because of it now, but mm. I didn't, I used to not like him because of it. I agree. I think it's, I think it's still there. Let I me say this. That he's, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that in, in roles like that, because I have played those types of roles, mm-hmm. Um, when I'm a viewer, as soon as that character comes on, even if I don't like them, I'm glad they're coming on. Because mm-hmm. I know something is going to they're happen. They're a shit stir. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, it. I think what Vincent Kartizer and uh, what the writing staff have done, and, and this is the beauty of getting uh, a show like this, allowing it to play out over such a long time, is he's found a balance between that mm. arrogance, which still exists when someone insults his ex-wife, when someone insults his family, uh, when someone insults his daughter. He still has that righteous indignation. But he has been brought low so many times, the dissolution of his marriage, uh, you know, problems at work that he it has humbled him. It's humanized the character. And I think we all have a lot of uh what's the word I'm looking for? It's not adoration, but just like uh, we have a lot of warmth for yeah. this guy. We yeah. want to see him succeed. And what I loved this week is as frosty as he and Trudy were at the outset, I kind of see a potential reconciliation. I think they'll get back together. Just from yeah. yeah it, it's the right time now for them. It really is because Things are calming down at work. He's not going to have the same level of responsibility that he had. He no longer has to worry about money. There's nowhere else to go yeah. unless he really wants to be an executive at McCann. And based on his attitude, he definitely does not. Yeah. He finally has room in his mind and his heart to actually let another person in. I mean, the writing is on the wall in this episode for mm-hmm. the for the Trudy, uh, you know, for the for the reconciliation here between mm-hmm. Pete and Trudy. I think that like you know him coming to her side at that you know coming to her side and rescue uh, at the, at the big school meeting where he punches the guy out. <laughs> Uh, Yet another a, a great, freaking Pete punch. Moment. Yeah, another Pete punch. So many punches. Uh, then also, like, you know, a tree just sort of describing her life as her single life here with all these sort of husbands and men that are just, yeah. you know, all I over. think him hearing that other men want her but can't have her makes him want her. Yeah. And he knows he can have her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it also, it's an echo back to Helen Bishop in the first season and her kind of like lonely existence and seeing that through the lens of, uh, of Betty. But the great thing about it is that Pete, after having this divorce, he tried to do the Don thing. Mm-hmm. He tried to do what other men could do, and he could not hack it. Right. Whether through lack of interest or lack of ability, he actually had a solid relationship, which, thank God, was referenced this week with the real estate agent out in California. Yeah. And he saw, what, he saw what a relationship can be, and I guarantee you that he learned some things. 
Yeah. And I'm hoping that he brings it back to this marriage. One of the things I've noticed, you know, as, in this episode, as we, as, as we talk about these larger themes and, you know, a legacy, I feel like that I'm, I'm, as we're nearing these these last three episodes, mm-hmm. you start to, like, we can't help but, like, think of where are these where are these individual characters going? Where is this going? What's this mean? I, I'm beginning to see futures for almost all these characters, like, I, in, in a except comfortable for way. Except for Don and maybe Peggy. Like, except for Don and maybe Peggy. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, for me. Like, I see, like, like, with Pete, I'm like, oh, I get it. Like, you know, he's concerned about legacy and the school and everything else, but like ultimately Trudy, him, there's happiness there for him. He has the money. You know, obviously Joan, I can see where this maybe is going. There's happiness there for Joan. Even Roger with you know with Marie. W- with Marie, I mean there's 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 happiness there and I see where that's potentially going. What you do know? you mean? Peggy and Stan. That's oh, happening. Ma- okay, I can't said it from I'm, the I'm, beginning, I'm, I'm, I'll I'm, say I'm, it again. I don't see it because <laughs> Peggy's still trying to figure it out. But like all these, you know, even even old Ted. Ted's got his old college flame. You know, he's happy, he's happy in Manhattan. He's going to like I see the path for everyone. Except for Don, and it's just it's terrifying, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and, and 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 Peggy, but like I feel like maybe Peggy. I I have some thoughts on. Peggy. Okay, but anyway, we'll, that's, we'll I, I went off that. a little bit, but that's just really an observation and as it relates to Pete, because I feel like mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I see, I see, you know, I see happiness in Pete's future, and I'm happy for Pete. Yeah, I'm actually happy for Pete. One of my favorite things about what Vincent Cartizer has done, and I'm sure that Matthew Weiner either encouraged this or had the the idea for it, is how he physically has embodied the character. You look at who he was, this like scrawny upstart in the perfect suit. Uh, in the first season, and now he keeps he shaves his hairline back so that he's losing his hair. He's gained some weight. Yeah. He's a guy who's <laughs> been working in advertising for ten years yes. and <laughs> has suffered some setbacks. And it, it really humanizes the character. All right, we need to move on to Joan, who does not take this well at all. She has clawed her way into a position of power and at least some respect. And she's worked long enough with these men to know their shortcomings and that they do respect her, even if they don't show it all the time. Uh, to be put in this situation, and, and going back to this boardroom scene, where everyone gets a name pitched at them except her. Right. And she knows that she will not be respected here. That it will have to be the same fight all over again. And I love this moment between Pete and Joan in the ca- in the cab following the bar scene where he says they don't even know who they're dealing with. And she gives him this sad smile where it's just like, thank you for being kind, yeah. but you also know that's bullshit. Hmm. You know. Um, and I love Richard. He's so awesome. He is the exactly the man that she deserves. If she wants anyone, that's the guy. What's wrong with Richard? That guy's awesome. Nothing's wrong with Richard. Hopping a red eye because he gets one sad phone call. He doesn't even know the details. We'll yet. talk about this tomorrow. I'm not coming know. tomorrow. Book the red eye. I am now. Exactly. Clank, I'm Richard. That guy's awesome. <laughs> Listen, let's Can we as an audience, can we stop idolizing Don Draper and just idolize Richard? Yes. Right, exactly. <laughs> Successful. He sees what he wants, he goes after it and he treats it right. Yes. That's what I'm saying. I agree. Yeah. Um but I'm very, very curious to see where Joan spins off from here. Because honestly, as good as this relationship is, a relationship isn't gonna satisfy her. Right. She has come such a long way. She ha- she came into this series in a position of power, and she's about to leave this series with her power evaporating. How do you guys feel about that? Well, the struggle of her getting to where she is right now is what gave her work meaning, and she went to work every day knowing that she had to work for it. Mm-hmm. She had the respect. She has all the money now. But now when she goes to McCann Erickson, it's just she has the money, but she doesn't have any of that struggle. to. She, well, it's going to have to start over now, I guess, mm-hmm. to get the respect and the accounts that she wants. Yeah. yeah, I you know I, I tend to side with Pete on this, and I don't think it was just a, a pat on the head by Pete. I think like you know look, I, we all respect Peggy. We think that Peggy's going to do fine. Peggy's Peggy, but Joan has had an incredible journey from office manager all the way up to where she is now yeah. in accounts. And I feel like that she will. Obviously, I think she'll um, make the transition and do well because I think she's. If she wants to stay there, she doesn't want to run off with Richard and you know and, and to the pyramids. She can stay, at, you know, at McCann and do well. I, I think that she's afraid of that, but I don't for one second think like, yeah, Joan can't cut it. Look, I'm yeah. not saying that she can't cut it, but I think she has every right to say in her own mind. I don't want to have to put up the fight again. I could make this fight, and in a few years, I can be back somewhere near where I am. I think Joan's down with the fight. I agree. What do you Joan. think? What do you have to feel about Joan and her, and her? And you're not allowed to say anything. No. Okay. Because he he knows too much. He's, he's too informed. <laughs> he's he's. <yeah>. Uh, 
He's probably just listening to us like they are so I, I, wrong. I, I, they have I'm no really idea what it. they're talking you're, you're, about. You're, you're, you're wonderful to listen to. I really, thank you. very much oh, enjoying thank it. You. Well, thank you, Paul. <laughs> Let's talk about Peggy and Stan, who for me had the arc of the episode. Yes, best um, scene of the episode, easily. So mm-hmm. Pete, uh, and it, it like to me goes down in history with with the suitcase and with any like really great poignant scene in this show. Uh, is the one that she and Stan share. But uh, Pete lets her in on the news early. Yep. He's like, I would want the heads up, so I'm giving it to you. By the way, I loved them together in mm-hmm. the same room again. Yeah. Gave and me again. a little bit of, you know, are they going to do No. It was no accident. Yeah, but when he walks up the stairs and the kid's hugging her. and Well, that's the just, thing. Yeah. It's Once again, it's the visual cue. I love any yeah. moment where it's it's Pete... Uh, Pete, Peggy, and a child. Right. There's always just so many layers, so much subtext, and he still has a lot, a great deal of affection for her, and he lets her know what's coming. She meets with a headhunter um, who, you know, to get some other potential offers, and he tells her, you're not going to get a better offer than where you're going. Right. You don't have a college degree. You are a woman. You would be starting from scratch. Yes, you could get hired in a lot of places, but you'd be making crap money. Yeah. And it wouldn't be worth it. If you stay there for three years and three years only, you can walk away with a ton of money and get any job that you want. Or start her own. Can I ask you or ask all of you, like, I, I, you know, what is, for for Peggy in that moment, I mean, Peggy's smart. She's got to know that going to McCann, and maybe she's worried about her future, but she's got to know that this is her brass ring, too. Like, this is her opportunity to really go and be at at the, the, the top firm and do top business, but she's... Is it so much that she's really wants to make a name for herself and really sort of feel like she's been in Don Draper's shadow? Like, why is she so interested in going to other place? Or is it just was it last week? She said she wanted the fame, uh, or was that the week before? She it was, it was in the forecast. Yeah, it was in last week's where she said she wanted to be creative director of this agency. Yeah. Hmm. Her dream has just been deferred effectively. Yeah, I see, and uh, it's being put on hold for several more years into a land of the unknown, a, an agency that. She she has dodged a few times over the years and has always been pitched by the characters on this show as the devil incarnate. Right. You don't want to work for the devil. Right. You want to work for yourself. You want to work for the devil you know, a.k.a. Don Draper. Right. Um, and there's a good chance that that might not be how things get structured there. Yeah. So she's definitely trepidatious about it, and she's having the, these casting calls with these kids, and uh, one mother leaves her kid uh, <laughs> alone at the office, and she and Stan... They kind of play, make this little nuclear family. They're sure. having a conversation. Yeah. Kids playing at the desk, playing businesswoman, which I absolutely love. So and so's office, where the kid's name was. I forget that was cute. Yeah, Susie's <laughs> office. Susie's <laughs> office. Exactly. Um, yes. And I like. I don't know. It's not even just like sign of the times. Things changing. That this girl immediately. Uh, adopts this role, and this is the game that she wants to play, showcasing kind of changing attitudes and how kids are getting more positive examples of women in the workplace, but also kind of like a mirroring thing of her and Peggy, of just sort of like this unconscious effect that she's having on this kid. Maybe I'm reading way too much into it, but that's mm. the point of Mad Men. Okay? Right. <laughs> it's just it's a read, read too much right. and everything. So yes. the kid staples her thumb bad news, and the mom shows up and they get into a screaming match, because they're both projecting. Peggy's projecting onto her that you can't abandon your kid, because she abandoned her kid. This woman is, is projecting on her that she's the kind of, like, selfish mother who would let things go two hours late and screw up other mothers' lives because right. she's so busy and so harried. Right. Um, and neither feels good about it. Yet another F-bomb dropped on the show. Yes, yes. Getting far more frequent. I love them. They're dipping them down. I love it. It's the 70s, man. <laughs> things are changing, Joe. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, it all leads to this late night talk between uh, Peggy and Stan where she finally, re- or he, she half reveals, he half figures out her past. It's an amazing scene, by it the way. Really, really amazing. beautifully yeah, acted. Ma- beautifully acted scene. And I'll tell you why, Joe. Two reasons why I think this points to maybe, just maybe, the two of them getting together, which so many people want. It just seems so on the nose, but go ahead. I know. But uh, he said out, flat out in this episode that he's no longer with Elaine. Uh huh. Um, the way that the scene is staged. Uh, when she finally gets up, the shot of the two of them, they're so very, very close to each other. 
Uh, it's going to happen, Joe. They've reached out. Well, no. In this moment, her sharing this story with him, she's opened up to him in a way that she never has before. He's a guy with no filter. He'll tell her whatever's on his mind, but she's always had some things closed off. This is a level of intimacy between two people that's rarely reached, especially even between... Especially at the workplace. Yeah, especially at the workplace and between coworkers and friends over the course of years. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff bubbling up. You remember when he, she walked in on him having sex with that guy with that guy's daughter mm-hmm. a couple years ago and how yeah. disgusted she was? It was because there are feelings there. Okay. Well, there's no... Look, there's no... Everyone knows that there's feelings between these two. I'm wondering if they're going to be... You know, why don't we just ask Paul? <laughs> I'm so <laughs> intrigued by this, man. There's a Stan great, great brains going at it. Stan it's like Battle of the Titans. I agree. I, I, I think that there's something there. Um, yeah. I think there's a beautiful scene. And, and don't get me wrong. Stevie is a great partner and a yeah. great match. Sure. I love Stevie. But uh, can, I, can I ask you just about just about earlier in the scene, like which sure. play, played for comedy and also you know sets up the whole episode with Peggy? Is how horribly bad she is with kids and how awkward she is with kids? Does that have to do with her really just being bad and awkward with kids, or her just being really uncomfortable with with her, her with what she's done? I mean, how does that? How do you, how do you read that? I think she's just uncomfortable and she's just not natural with kids, right. which is maybe why you know she put work ahead of her kid anyway mm-hmm. just because it's not natural to her right. which I mean is the case I mean like she said why can't she if you make a mistake you move on like a man does right. and that's kind of her take on the whole thing you know, Don's done it Stan right. alludes to if he did have a kid out there he wouldn't know right. And um, but for a woman it's harder to make that sure. decision and just move on because it's something that weighs on her heavily every day and aside from that I think seeing all these kids just is a constant reminder of mm-hmm. the kid that she has out there somewhere Absolutely. that she has no idea where where he is or you know and she's trying to move on but there's just constant reminders everywhere. Right. Every child that she meets wears the face of her her Mm -hmm. missing baby. Where's the face of this kid? She says to Stan he's with a family somewhere. She doesn't know that. Mm -hmm. She doesn't. She doesn't know that he's okay. She doesn't know that he's safe. He could be walking into auditions like this with a mother like that every single day. She has no idea. He could walk into the office. He could I mean, God forbid. Could he, be one he of them. Which, which is what sort of she alludes to when she says we're not supposed to know because we're not supposed to think about it. But which, mm-hmm. which is the obviously what she's saying is that's I what think you're about supposed it all the to time. do. That's what you're supposed to do. Which is mm-hmm. a very sad. This is, you know, it's a very touching scene. Very, very powerful. And I, I hope that she gets everything that she deserves. That like I like Don Drape. Don's storyline is obviously the most important to all the fans, and they want to see it resolved in a way that feels satisfying. But Peggy's almost as more important. No, I I'm, agree. I'm and yeah. I'm and I'm, yeah, I'm, all, I'm yeah. team Elizabeth. Moss, like like hardcore, yeah, crush. All right, what? Let's move on. <laughs> let's move on to uh, let's move on to Don because we we we're short on time, right. and I want to make sure that we get through everything. Uh, so Don uh, receives a couple of calls, missed calls from Diana, uh, presumably presumably to let him know that she's leaving town. Mm-hmm. Um, because by the end of the episode, when he finally stumbles to her door, drunk, she's gone, and uh, these two wonderful gay men uh, now have her apartment. Mm-hmm. But uh, he he's so wait, those guys are gay. Yeah, but it's a couple of buddies. No, all right, they're not buddies. <laughs> I thought that was that was evident. Did you watch? It was I, a decision. Did uh, you know, Joe, that huh? everything on Mad Men is a calculated decision? Huh? Did you know that? Huh? I heard that somewhere what? once. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, that first of all, like. Don, for all of his, you know, let's let's start up the band, he's lacking some of his fire. And a lot of that comes from his hilariously empty apartment, uh, his utter, just, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, just despair. Everything's gone. Like, Meredith puts it flat out. She's like, uh, you know, you in two weeks you won't have an apartment or an office. Do you want me to come with you? And it was almost like a sp- very spousal thing yeah. to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, he's also I, also I thought a very sweet moment, like a we- an oddly sweet moment for me because you, you know, and in the way he said, like I was going to tell you, of course you're coming, and she's mm-hmm. like, well, it's like all she could do to to to, to stand up to him and tell him like, what were you going to do? Like I, that, that was a really sweet moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked it. Um, he's not taking this whole thing well because again, it comes back to at the end of this, what was all of this for? He never wanted to have the job. I mean, way back in season one, Jim approaches him about joining McCann, about poaching him. And uh, I love that we've had the same actor for the entire run of the show. And I think these are he maybe had one other appearance, but other than that, it was really just that one episode 
this episode. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, also, great visual bookend between the shot of the five of them after Jim leaves the room and the shot of the five of them uh, when they enter their new space, yeah. when Joan's a partner at the end of season five. Right. And it's so cramped and compressed, yeah. and it's so obvious how stifling this place will be. Yeah. Um, I loved Don's interactions with Ted this week because, you know, Ted and Don, former competitors, a mm-hmm. lot of similarities, a lot of differences. Yeah. Ted's marriage spectacularly crashed Two and sides burned. of the same coin, if you will. Right. Uh, you know, later in life, he moved to California to try to save his marriage, but it was beyond saving. Because mm-hmm. the fact is, it wasn't just that he was attracted to Peggy. It wasn't just that. It wasn't just that they were close to each other. He obviously was no longer centered in that marriage or interested in it. And even being in California, being away from it, didn't save anything. Right. And now, this is a guy who, for him, the career isn't, isn't important anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just not. And Don doesn't know how to feel. I don't... I mean, you could just call that, like, the title of the series is Don Doesn't Know How to Feel. Sure. But... Don doesn't know how to feel. But this has been the one... This is the one thing that he's got left, and even this isn't giving him fulfillment. So what's the point? And I'm really worried. We ask that every week. What is the point? I know. What's going on? There was a job to come back to that at least he was a partner, at least something like that. Now he's just going to be another cog in a machine? I'm rooting for Don. Again, as I said before, I'm rooting for Don to sort of find that. And there's something in a Dick Whitman, some sort of Dick Whitman inside him waiting. What's in a name, Joe? I don't know. But also, I I thought it was quite sad that there was some hope there when when Don, when when (coughs) we were moving to California, because there was some glimmer to me, like, yeah. I get yeah. to go to California. This is a start. I get to go back to Dick Whitman land. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. And so when that's gone, I felt like, I was like, oh no, I was really crushed. And also, I didn't want to touch on the bar, you know, the bar, the drinking scene afterwards was also a total personification of like what's happening with that group and that they're all together, they're drinking. And then, of course, Joan has to go because she has a life and she has somewhere to be. And Roger, you know, it's, you know, Ted has somewhere to go. You know, he's got a date and he's off. And then it's just the two guys, Roger, you know, Roger yeah. and, uh, and Don, and, and, and then Roger's got somewhere to go, and then there's Don. Mm-hmm. Like, and again, it's just like it's it's it's, it's kind of like what this back half is where. Really Let's talk about this scene, um, which I absolutely adored because it really illustrated a lot of uh, this father son relationship and the brother relationship between yeah. Don and Roger. Um, one of my favorite parts is when Roger says, "When I married my secretary, yeah. you judged you me, and yeah. then you did the exact same thing." <laughs> that was like, no. yeah. <laughs> I did. Well, that's the thing is not only that everyone is partnering up with someone who's age appropriate, even yeah. Roger. Right. I mean, granted, it's uh, his friend and coworker and partner's ex-wife's mother. Right. But <laughs> Don, I think Don took that surprisingly well. By the way, I mean that was, that was a couple of bombshells. Like, yeah. I mean, maybe the, maybe the booze was talking, but a couple of bombshells. He's like, wait, what? I feel like at most I would call it bemusement. Right. It was just kind of like. Huh? You know she's crazy. Yeah, he's like, you know she's crazy. He's like, well, that's not what, what Megan finds out. Mm. What she knows? Why do you tell me? All right. Well, she's crazy. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me? But that's and, fine. But that's I'm another sign happy. of maturity, of right. growing older, is Roger says, I didn't want to tell you until I was sure it was a thing. Yeah. He's nice. actually treating it with some level of respect. Right. Mm. What is that? Yeah. Who is this <laughs> Roger Stone? No, it's, it's a red mustached Roger Stone. Mm-hmm. He's got it all figured out. Um, now, a lot of... <laughs> it's a mustache. It's a mustache. It. <laughs> it must be. A lot of reviewers are making a lot, uh, are making a lot of hullabaloo over uh, Don's line to Roger, what's in a name? when they're talking about legacy mm-hmm. and Don is almost grinning and uh, Roger knows his whole story yeah. and he doesn't call him on it he just kind of dismisses it but uh, that kind of makes me wonder is he heading back in sort of a Dick Whitman uh, direction or just really just realizing his time as Don Draper is no longer going to provide him with any fulfillment but he does have an option there maybe can yeah. he reclaim his old life or I mean Dick Whitman technically died in Korea yeah so I don't know if he can really reclaim it. Hmm. Um, can we just two 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 loose ends I want, I want to mention? Uh, Scott's honor. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lou, Lou, this wonderful last curtain call for Lou. <laughs> last curtain call for Lou. Mm-hmm. I was rooting for Scout Talk. I, I, I like the idea of Lou, you know, taking that meeting at Hannah Barbera a couple episodes ago. And I, as I think I said here in the air, like, you know, I want this thing to happen. And it seems to be happening. And Lou's just like, F you guys. You yeah. guys all laughed at me. And now I'm, you know, I'm hitting the big time. He's like, enjoy the rest of your miserable life. I loved that conversation <laughs> between him and Don. He's so awesome. smug for his $15,000 to go make this cartoon in Japan. I, you know what? Good for him. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Good for Lou. Yeah. Uh, and then also, I mean, I think you're going to touch on it briefly, but, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the messages and, 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 you know, like, I mean, what um, what was she doing? What does she want to talk about? Like, what? I don't know. Like, are we going to see her again? Maybe she's the one. She's with Diana? Tell me, yes. I'm just not invested in her oh, at all. Why are you hating on my girl Diana? I just don't, just I think don't love that, it, Joe. Oh. I think that he, he dodged a major bullet here. Because... Uh, Many men and many women too can talk about meeting a partner and finding fulfillment and trying to save another right. person who can't be saved. He has so much fixing to do with himself that he can't go and invest. In There's no Diana. room in that brain oh, for I'm a problem. Who dodged this bullet, Diane? No, he did. I uh, think that because yeah, because Don Draper's knows that not exactly a finished project. No, <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> but what I'm saying is. He's now freed up to do the work if he wants to do it because he's not going to have this massive project on his hands of trying to save this woman who has no interest in being happy ever again. And by the way, I think we, you know, I'm getting the feeling that this isn't going to be about Don finding the perfect woman and riding off in the sunset. We've, we've, Mm -hmm. we've, in the series, he's done that twice. He's had the perfect woman twice. He's passed on three other perfect women, you know, twice, you know, from, from Midge on, you know, on down. So it's not about Don riding off in the sunset. It's really about Don finding out who Don is and mm-hmm. then being able to sit with that in a comfortable place. How and if that happens, I think it's going to be how the series ends. Right, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the ending, right? I was looking at the, the time in your eyes. As you were talking, I was watching it tick down. <laughs> that's interesting. There's a lot of layers to what you just said. Um, okay, we're, we're running low on time, so we need to, we need to jump to predictions. I think Paul should start. I have to sit out of this one, too, <laughs> man. Yeah. I think Paul should start. Oh, something's coming. Yeah. We'll, we'll see you I pass the energy <laughs> to you. Uh, prediction. Go ahead, Joe. You're, you're first. Uh, I, no, listen, I, um, I predict... That uh, I think that the um, I think that the the, the merger slash I think the merger is not going to be a disaster. I think it's going to be great for everyone. I think it's going to be great for across the board. I think everyone is going to be happy. All these clients are going to come in. Everyone's going to be happy except for Don. And I think the one. I think the person that's going to, you know, withdraw from this, from the whole McCann situation out of everyone, including, um, including, um, uh, um, Don. Uh, yeah, is, is Don, including, um, I can't remember, Joan, is, is Don. I think Don's the one who's, gonna, who's, who's not going to, as good as it gets, it's, everyone's going to say, this is the pinnacle and Don's going to be out. It's a horrible prediction, but that's all I got. I never know what to do with prediction wise, but <laughs> with relationships, I, I think Pete and Trudy is going to be a thing. Yep. And, Obviously, Stan and Peggy is one hundred percent. I'm not a part of that yet. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. I have to. I have to truly disagree with your take on this, Joe. Okay. Just because I think it's too blue sky, and there's no way everyone winds up happy because that's not how life goes. And this whole show is a, it, like put it in the freaking title of this episode. Why don't you? It's about the passage of time. And how do we make a life? What does it wind up being? And very few people get to have a blue sky life, no matter what you do. Is Don Draper jumping out that window? No. No. I don't think... I, I Look, so many people have predicted it. I would feel truly cheated. You'd really have to sell it. You'd really have to sell that this guy wants to take the easy way out and he wants to die. There, there's that scene in the preview where he's sort of staring longly out the window. Oh, he does it all the time. He's he always not the there longly. But then if, you, if you look <laughs> close, his foot is actually on the no. seat, sit, window seal. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I made that part up. Look, <laughs> this show does have a fixation with an obsession with death, but I don't know necessarily that suicide is in the cards for Don Draper. For me, if he dies, it, it, it has to be something more shocking, more sudden, or we flash forward and we watch him die in, an, in a nursing home in modern times. I think if anyone dies, it'll be Roger. 
I think that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, although we just ha- we we had uh, we had Cooper die in in episode seven at the end of the first half of the season. We're really going to have two two of the old partners. I don't know. Can I, are you allowed to even say like what would be a satisfactory? Maybe you know, but what 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 to me like before you knew everything? What what was what is a satisfactory end for Don Draper like as a fan? Like before you knew what you know, like how, where, where did you what did you want this? Thing you don't want my opinion on this because honestly, and by the way, I don't know the end. Okay, I good. swear to God, I don't know the end. That's right. a fact. So it would be speculation. Um, as a fan, I'm you guys would hate me. I'm 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 a romantic. I want to. I'm romantic. I just, why would I hate that? Yeah, because it's so predictable. I'm so in that way. In that way, I'm very, I'm very much about catharsis. I want to feel good. Mm-hmm. I don't want to feel bad. So I don't know. To but, me, yeah. Know. To me, it's if he rides off in the sunset with anyone, it's with his damn kids. Right. Okay. Great. Trying is to that, get to know. But him. Is that the ending that you wanted? Uh, has this, 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 this do you like for kids? Do I like kids? Yeah. Are you Peggy? I'm not Peggy. Calm down. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Listen. Do you have kids? He, I don't have kids. Okay. At the end of season six, when he shows those kids that house, and that could have been a series finale. Easily could have been a series finale, and I believe Matthew Weiner has said so in an interview, but I could be wrong. I, and I believe so too. And it was, I, I say that only because I got really called out on it on YouTube about it. But you really did. But however, but I, but I still stick by it because I've heard I read it twice, and he also said it in an interview with uh, Elvis Mitchell on the treatment case. Right, his treatment. Check that out. Uh, so there's something to it. I don't know when or how it happened, right. but there's something to that. It could have been. So, to me, that still is the logical ending for me that feels right and makes sense. Is MASH worked. MASH worked. Yes. Yeah. That's great. a great ending. Yeah. It was, it, just, it was romantic and it had all the yeah. notions and it had the love and it had the... Mm-hmm. And, and still, the, the you know, the all sorts of the macabre yeah. life that they'd lived taken yeah. with them they're taking it home with them yeah. they're not mm-hmm. gonna go without it you yeah know? look uh, is, he, is it gonna be after sudden after not so much yeah I never saw that <laughs> is it gonna be a sudden about phase for this character I absolutely do not believe so people remain flawed until the day they die but you only it only takes one good epiphany to set you on a better path sure uh, that's a great ending note thank you uh, beautiful thought thank you now Paul where Uh-oh. can the people find you online um, I don't live there, but okay. I visit often at P to the Johan mm-hmm. on Instagram and at PJ Raven on Twitter. Okay, and I actually am a little more kind of like I'm, I'm. I'm not quite serious always about my my tweets and my Instagrams because I think that I do a lot of serious work and I play a lot of heavy characters and. I'm just really a goofball. Man. Just <laughs> I'm a dad. Yeah. I have a four-year-old. My life is like ah, my life good. is hugs and kisses and daddy. Can we read another book? Ah. So I'm kind of like, you know, it it's be. all a show. Yeah. Is, there, <laughs> is there anything else coming up you want people to know about? Keeping I know lots of fun there? stuff coming, but this has been a great experience for me, and I'm really flattered you guys would let me sit here and enjoy listening to you talk. Oh, I hope another time I cannot tell you the things that I know. All right, <laughs> <laughs> anytime. That's what extract yeah. the information. <laughs> yeah. No, you really don't. You <laughs> really want to watch right. it. I do want to, we do want to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Uh, Sterling, where can the people find you? You can find me at Sterling Cates. Really simple. Okay. Yeah, there we go. Sure. There we go. And Joe? You can find me at Joe K. Browse on Twitter and Instagram on Here and After Buzz doing a couple of the shows uh, Blacklist and Bates Motel. Okay. And you, how do we find you? So yes, you can find me at Matt Lieberman. That's M-A-T-T-L-I-E-B-E-R-M-A-N on Twitter. You can visit LieberFriends.com uh, to get to my YouTube channel. It's real simple and easy. LieberFriends.com and uh, Orphan Black here on After Buzz and SourceFed and SourceFed Nerd on YouTube. You can check those out. Thank you all so much. See you next week. Good night. How's Orphan Black? Good? From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later! <laughs> The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.